This episode of In the Hole is sponsored by 30secondgolflessons.com. What is 30secondgolflessons.com? It's access to your own online golf coach, a certified PGA professional who will create custom practice routines around your golf game and busy schedule. Additionally, access to unlimited video golf lessons. You heard that right, unlimited video golf lessons, all based on your swing, your game. Take your golf game to where it can be and beyond only at 30secondgolflessons.com. Welcome to the In The Hole podcast, sponsored by 30secondgolflessons.com, with your host, PGA Director of Instruction, Jeff Zerowitz. Hello friends, I'm Jeff Zerowitz, and this is our special Masters Preview Show. We are going to break down some storylines going into the 2018 Augusta National Annual Tournament, golfers to look out for this year and my five favorite golf holes there at Augusta National. This is also an instructional golf podcast that happens to be sponsored by an instructional golf website, 30secondgolflessons.com. So we will be playing a 30-second golf lesson later, and then breaking it down in greater detail. But first... A good craftsman never blames his tools, but if those tools are wrong for the job, then what? That's why I chose Club Champion, a nationwide PGA-affiliated shop that specializes only in club fittings. My buddy, George Smith, the PGA Master Club Fitter at Club Champion in Minneapolis, Minnesota, took great care of me. I needed new tools for my job, and by tools, of course, I mean golf clubs. Being a certified PGA professional, I know how important it is to have the correct set of clubs in your hands when you're trying to win your club championship or beat your pals on Saturday. That's why I trusted Club Champion to fit me for my new set of Ping G400 irons and a new Fujikara driver shaft. Email me, Jeff, at 30secondgolflessons.com to find out how you can get fitted for the right set of tools anywhere in the country by Club Champion. Better fit, lower scores. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, friends. The familiar theme song to The Masters. Love that song. Love this week, Masters Preview Week on the In the Hole podcast, sponsored by 30 Second Golf Lessons. Going to go over some storylines, some golfers to look out for this year, and my favorite holes of Augusta National. First, uh, gained my love for golf um, from my family, my dad and my grandpa. Um, I could really remember going back into the mid-80s, the late-80s, watching... Uh, uh, 
the Masters. Really didn't have any concept of golf at that time, but um, I, I knew the fondness that my dad and my grandpa had for it, and uh, just kind of following in their footsteps, and uh, really grateful for, for them, for their love of golf, and that translated in, into my love of golf. And uh, we can't talk about the Masters um, unless we're going to talk about Tiger Woods, especially in this 2018 season and Tiger making his comeback, his, oh, who knows, third, fourth, fifth comeback. But the, the most important part is, is that he's coming back, that he actually appears to be healthy. Um, you know, he has that innate ability from from birth almost from watching his dad hit golf balls in the garage um tiger has that that god-given gift of golf and through uh decades of hard work um you know he could go out to augusta and and quite possibly win this thing uh it's his first major in three years super excited to see him out there I think if he can make the cut, that would be really all we could ask for. If he did anything beyond that, if he even contended on Sunday, um, I would be overjoyed. But I think that'd be a surprise. Um, Augusta is, is, they call it the Masters because you're a master at golf. And I just don't think Tiger has the reps yet and maybe not the confidence in his golf game just yet to to really contend uh, for the number one golf tournament uh, of the year. So uh, Tiger really is a storyline going into this year, but um, I think he's only going to be a storyline and not being a contender. Uh, a couple, a couple contenders here that we do not want to to leave out, and that's a couple lefties. Forty-something-year-old um, Phil Mickelson, who has won a uh, a tournament this year, his first tournament in, I believe, since uh, he won the British Open. I could be wrong on that, but. Um, when when you have Lefty, who who did win um, that tournament earlier this year, him and Tiger are really the biggest draws of golf, uh, really. Yeah, Ricky and Jordan and these newcomers, but they don't move move the dial, move the needle like Tiger and, and Phil do. So um, you know the the left-handers. I don't want to forget about Bubba Watson either. You look at Bubba uh, the past few weeks, he won a huge tournament, a uh, couple big tournaments. Riviera, incredibly difficult golf course to play. Um, you know, so so seeing these, these left-handers who've had success uh, recently, who've had success at Augusta, uh, both of them have won, both Lefty and Bubba have won uh, at Augusta numerous times. So those are a um, couple storylines, a couple left-handers that we do not want to forget about going into this 2018 Masters. Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter is a, a, a pretty cool storyline, depending on who you ask. 
uh, for this uh, 2018 Masters. Pulte, uh, who may be the least favorite golfer of most Americans due to his heroics in the Ryder Cup. He's, uh, he's a bit brash. He's very confident at this point, especially. But uh, he's had that air of confidence uh, throughout his whole career. And he's really done some courageous and um, amazing things on the golf course uh, through his last 10, 20 years. If you go on and you look at his match play record um, with the WGC match play as well as the Ryder Cup match play, I'm pretty sure he's undefeated in match play uh, for the Ryder Cup. And he's made probably the last seven Ryder Cups. Um, so you may not like the guy, but you do have to respect his talent and his heart. Uh, and he was he was uh, out of the PGA Tour. He had medical exemption uh, status that he had to complete, and he completed. Uh, and he also had a few weird things happen to him, where they said he wasn't in the FedEx Cup, and actually one of the players' wives. Uh, did the math for the PGA and said he was in the FedEx Cup. And the same thing, uh, or a very similar thing, happened to him at uh, the WGC match play. They said if he made it to the uh, semifinals, he automatically uh, was in Augusta. Well, he made it there. Then before he teed off in the semifinals, they told him that he wasn't exempt, that he had to win this match. And he ended up losing that match quite handily. But imagine uh, the mental game uh, or the mental fortitude you would need. You're, you're relaxed. You're ready. He said he was going to take that week off. He was going to go home and spend time with his family. And he couldn't do that because he, didn't, um, he wasn't exempt from the Masters from his finish at the WGC. So then he had, the only way he'd get into the Masters is by winning the next week at the Shell Houston Open. And what does he do? He wins it. Unbelievable. And not only does he win it, he has a 15-20 footer must make birdie on 18 to force a playoff. Then he wins it in the playoff. So Ian Poulter, a storyline going into this 2018 Masters. And then my last storyline um, for this segment is Dustin Johnson, currently the world number one, uh, but really um, maybe flying under the radar from any current number one in recent memory. Last year, I believe DJ won every tournament he played going or leading into the Masters of 2017. Then he happened to fall down some stairs at his rental home uh, in Augusta, hurt his back. We remember that he tried to tee off. Um, He warmed up that day, uh, Thursday. He walked to the first tee, and then he said he couldn't do it. And, you know, these guys are mentally tough, physically tough. To, to If you think about how much golf these guys play, how many swings they take a day or a week, um, how much they're walking, how much they're working out in the gym, and then how much they have to concentrate during a five, six-hour round uh, with the most difficult course conditions and playing against 
the best players in the world with millions of people watching, uh, for a player of that stature to not uh, compete in what, you know, the tournament that he was looking forward to most playing probably that year, growing up uh, in the Carolinas right near Augusta, Georgia. You know, so to round out the the storylines, DJ being world number one, um, not even being able to play in it last year, I think he he's going under the radar. There's no question about it. Uh, really looking forward to uh, these storylines and how they play out in this year's 2018 Masters. In addition to the storylines, uh, I would like to go over golfers to look out for heading into the 2018 Masters. And probably for the next 30 years, Jordan Spieth is going to be number one on that list. He has played in three Masters as a professional. I should really get some stats uh, in front of me. I have the my laptop sitting right here. I could just type all this up and have actual real statistical information without guessing all this on the top of my head. But this is a one-man show right now, so we're going to run with it. And you could fact-check me and uh, email me at jeff at 30secondgolflessons.com. But um, over the past three years or three uh, masters, Jordan Spieth has led... I want to say 50% of the rounds, he has won one and finished runner-up in two of them. He had um, a, a hugely heartbreaking moment on the 12th hole. I believe that was last year's? Last year's uh, Masters, where he he dunked his tee shot and then he uh, went to the drop area and and chunked that one in there. So Jordan Spieth, he 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 could be playing the worst golf of his career, and then show up to the Masters and contend. It's just like a light switch that goes on with him over there. So he he's been hitting the ball tee to green much better. If he could get his putting going and and I think that's exactly what will happen at uh, Augusta National is once he gets back on those greens and he feels those good feelings, uh, he will uh, regain form and be a competitor. Justin Thomas, uh, these guys that hit the ball far uh, are going to contend, obviously, with how long. I believe uh, Augusta's playing over 7,400 yards these days. But not only how far they hit it, but how high they hit it. Uh, that That's going to lead into my next um, golfer to look out here for after I finish up with JT. But these golfers, these pros that hit this towering golf shot, and they're able to land the ball softly with these high, uh, these mid to low irons. So when you have a, a five iron going into the green at 210, 220 yards, and then you're dealing with elevation, where the, the green is above you, maybe 30, 50 feet, you need to land that ball straight down. 
You can't have these shots that are going to go into the green flat with how firm this golf course plays. Those balls aren't going to stop. And hitting great tee shots is obviously a must here, but I really think that this is a second shot golf course. If you're able to hit your irons into the green where where it should be, the, the greens are going to funnel to the hole, but if you hit the ball to the wrong spot of that green, then the ball is going to funnel away. And it may funnel away a far or a long distance away from the hole. So these guys that hit this high towering golf shot like Justin Thomas, someone to look out for. Captain America, Patty Reed, Patrick Reed, um, having a really strong 2018 PGA Tour season. I believe he's finished in the top five or top ten in uh, every tournament this year. Uh, he had an issue um, maybe early in the year. He didn't have any top fives or top tens. He was going uh, uh, with a new set of irons, and uh, they they just didn't fit his eye or or what have you. But he decided to go back to his uh, old set of clubs, uh, 2017 set, I believe. And uh, it's made a world of difference. I guess he's gained that confidence, that comfort level. And he's really been playing some very strong golf. And the guy is not afraid of the big stage, obviously, between what him and or what he and Rory did uh, at the uh, Ryder Cup up in Hazeltine. So the, the amount of swag and the amount of game that Patrick Reed has, he's someone to really keep an eye out for uh, with this Masters coming up here. And then lastly, a, another high ball hitter, a guy that, that just pounds the golf ball. He could hit it high, but he could hit it low. He's a bit of a shot shaper. Um, and st sticking with the Spanish theme of Spaniards that have played very well, uh, we have three Spaniards that have won Augusta now, John Rahm. Uh, John Rahm is currently number three in the world. Uh, he's yet to win a major. I believe the last three master winners have not won a major in their career. Um, once again, just a high ball hitter that, that can score, and he's not afraid of the big stage. Uh, I would really look out for Rahm. So just recapping for golfers to look out for this year. Um, Jordan Spieth, as usual. Justin Thomas, Patrick Reed, and, and John Rahm, I think, are all... You're probably not going to get great odds to bet them, but uh, I I think those are the, the the front runners for this year's 2018 Masters. Our last Masters preview segment of this podcast, sponsored by 30secondgolflessons.com has to deal with uh, my five favorite holes at Augusta National. I think one of the allures of the Masters is that it's played on the same course every year. So you gain that history, those layers of history on, on these holes. And so you could go back to you know, what did Tiger do on 16 in 2005? And what did Freddie Couples do on 12 and 92 and so on and so forth? And, you know, so all these layers of history just keep adding on to each other. So, you know, you know, in years past, where did that ball end up or what score did so-and-so make on that hole? So 
Um, just coming back to Augusta every single year and seeing uh, what could be the most beautiful golf course in the world, you know, you get that that appreciation of, oh, I can't wait to see what, what they do on 16 uh, on the final round on Sunday. So here's uh, my top five favorite uh, golf holes at Augusta National. And uh, starting the list at number five is uh, the number three hole. It's a 350-yard par four called Flowering Peach. And 350 yards uh, this day and age is drivable, near drivable for, for many uh, touring professionals. Uh, but obviously at Augusta, we're dealing with elevation changes. So that 350 is playing a little bit longer. But, you know, there's there's multiple ways to attack this, this, um, this hole here. You know, if you have a front pin location and it's a severe false front to... Uh, to this hole. So if you have a front pin location and you try to drive the green, well then you have, let's say you, you have 20 yards left on your shot with the false front front pin location. Getting that ball to stop short um, with that short of a shot or getting it to stop that close to the hole is very difficult to do when you're that close uh, to your target. You cannot generate as much club head speed to really get that ball to check uh, on a shot of that magnitude. So then you're dealing with bumping it into the fringe. Well, if you bump it into the fringe and you come up short, then the ball is going to roll back to you. Or if you go a little firm, you know, then the ball rolls all the way to the back of the green. Now you're dealing with a crazy uh, fast downhill putt that may roll off the green. Well, so then you lay up and you have um, an 80 to 120 yard shot. Then you have to control your spin. These guys, they generate so many, uh, so much backspin to their shots that most of the time they're trying to take spin off of these wedge shots as opposed to increased backspin. So now you're dealing with a second shot that may juice all the way off the green and then you had that 20 yard uh, short sided a uh, shot where the the target is 20 feet above your head. So one of the reasons why I like number five, many different ways to play it. Not one of them's easy. Uh, you probably will see some guys drive this green, but it's very uphill at 350 yards. Very difficult to do. My fourth favorite hole at Augusta National is number 15, the 530-yard par five, Firethorn. Love this hole for the risk-reward. Uh, pond in front of the green, pond far beyond the green as well, uh, where it's super downhill uh, on the backside of the green, you may uh, roll off. Uh, Risk-reward here, 530 yards, not very long, especially for PGA Tour standards. A lot of par fours are at this length. So now we're talking about having a short iron in your hand, uh, but you may have a severe downhill lie with a six or a five iron. Those balls, those shots are difficult even for a tour pro to hit cleanly and in the center of the face. So you may uh, slightly chunk a four iron with a little breeze in your face from 210 yards and next thing you know, you're in the water. Or you, you have some wind element, you misjudge your club selection, then you're over to green. So number 15 uh, you can make three there. You can make eight there. A lot of different ways to play that hole. Even if you lay up, it's not an easy shot if you have a 60-yarder 
uh, with a downhill lie. Everything uh, goes down to that pond, and it's very severe over at Augusta. So love the, um, the number 15 Firethorn. My third favorite hole at the Masters is the 16th hole, the 170-yard par 3 Red Bud. 2005, Tiger chips in. Most awkward handshake of uh, history in any sport. Him and uh, Stevie Williams, his caddy at the time. But if you think about how much emotion was there, uh, you couldn't plan for that. Uh, but, you know... That that hole provides so much drama, once again with the history with Jack in 86, hitting the 5 iron to about 3 feet, 5 feet making the putt. But just, just the different ways that that hole plays. Um, and it has that bank uh, that's to the right side of the green. And so you, you deliberately don't hit it at the hole to hit it to the hole at Augusta, if that makes sense. So Matt Kuchar had a hole-in-one here um, at 2017, uh, the final round of the Masters at, at number 16. They had the skipping over the pond contest during the uh, the practice rounds leading up to uh, the tournament. So uh, love number 16. It's a beautiful hole. It's a fun hole. There's different pin locations, and uh, it's not easy. Not easy for 150 to 170-yard par 3. My second favorite hole uh, is number 13, the 510-yard par 5 Azalea. Sergio Garcia, last year's winner, named his daughter is Azalea. Uh, what a wonderful hole. Multiple ways to play it off uh, the tee box. The, or your tee shot. These guys are now hitting it over the woods. The, this is the epitome of a risk-reward hole. So it's a severe dogleg left, almost a 90-degree dogleg left um, par 5 where you can take uh, the risk-reward and hit it over the trees, which is over a hazard uh, to the left on your tee shot. Well, if you don't decide to do that and you, you try to play a draw, well, and if, if you push that, now and you hit driver. Now you're in the woods where Phil hit that miraculous uh, five iron to uh, about ten feet a couple years ago when he won um, the Masters. So a ton of risk reward. Not only risk reward to tee shot, risk reward greenside. You have Ray's Creek, I believe, that meanders uh, in front of the green. So you may have a, a seven iron a five iron into this 510 yard par five, but you might have the ball a foot and a half above your feet. So now you plan for the hook, you actually push it. Now it ends up pin high, but in the water. So many different ways you'll see guys laying up with, with three wood, with driving irons with this hole and still being able to get to the hole in two, uh, even though they're laying up uh, on their tee shot. Not an easy wedge shot to play in there. Uh, so you might be in between clubs and you might have to lay up. Many different pin locations there. You got the, the back left pin location. And that's up on a plateau. So you may hit it onto the green, but you might have a 10-foot uphill putt, even though you're only 30 feet away from the, the flag. So... Love the way it looks. I love the way that hole plays. Uh, 
Risk Reward, the name of that game right there. Uh, you could take it over. You could bubba it or you know pound it over those trees on the left and have an eight iron in. Um, it's just a great hole, a great hole for your imagination and play the play the hole how you want to play it, even though it it's built a certain way. Lastly, my favorite hole of all 18 holes at Augusta National. There is a par three, nine hole course. Love that one. Uh, but for the for the big course, my favorite hole is number 12, the 155 yard par three Golden Bell. Just beautiful. Uh, when I go to Augusta, I'm gonna sit behind the 12th tee box. From there, you have access to watch uh, the second shots coming into 11 green, as well as the tee shots coming out of 13 there at the end of Amen Corner. Uh, Amen Corner, excuse me. Golden Bell, immensely pretty, undescribably beautiful, but just a wicked golf hole. Super small, narrow green, bunker in the front, bunker in the back, pond beyond it or in front of it, the wind circling, very difficult to, to judge the wind in that area of the golf course. But, I mean, just aesthetically, uh, a beautiful hole. And for, for such a short hole, it has such sharp teeth. You know, you could half, half a club one wrong and end up in the water easy. Half a club one long, and then you're, you're in the backside uh, downhill up and down or uh, bunker shots or you're in the azalea bushes all the way back there so number 12 the most beautiful just my favorite hole the ambience of it i love it those are my five favorite holes at augusta national So this is a golf podcast. It is also an instructional golf podcast. And we are at the time where we are going to dive into some instruction. And today's instruction is going to be about the takeaway and what it means to get the club light and really being able to produce uh, the fastest club head speed possible. And the reason why club head speed is important is that is one of the main contributors to distance. So if you are trying to hit the ball farther, you do need more club head speed. Uh, so this is uh, the first step in the takeaway to gaining more club head speed. This is a 30-second golf lesson with myself, Jeff Zerowitz. I'll also restate that in the intro. But a uh, 30-second golf lesson based on gaining club head speed uh, in your takeaway. We'll break it down right afterwards. This is a 30-second golf lesson with PGA Director of Instruction, Jeff Zerowitz. In order to achieve more club head speed, you don't want to get the club flat in the takeaway. You want to get the club vertical. The more vertical it is, the lighter it is, the faster you can swing it. Well said. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Uh, so let's, let's replay what I said in the beginning of that video. And 
I said you don't want to get the club flat in the takeaway, you want to get it vertical. And what I mean by that is when we think about a flat club, or what I mean by a flat club, is when the club is parallel to the ground. Okay, so the horizon of the ground matches the club. They're both parallel. All right, and that's the last thing we really want to do, especially in the first part of the takeaway. We do not want to get the club flat. And so oftentimes you might hear, I want to take the club away on the inside so I could hit a draw, have that in to out path. That is true. However, if you move the club head first, I'm trying to illustrate this point uh, through audio, but if you move the club head first and you kept your hands there, well, if you moved your cl the club all the way to where it was parallel to the ground, you would notice that um, the club is flat and all the weight is in the club head or the majority of the weight of the club is in the club head. So now the club actually is getting heavy in that club head and it wants to fall the other way. It wants that club head to go down to the to the ground. So the club is actually getting heavy. You wouldn't be able to balance the club on one finger if the club was parallel to the ground from the grip. All right. So like if you were a kid and you remember um, balancing a baseball bat with one finger and seeing how long you could balance the, the club or, or the bat with one finger when the club was straight up and down. Well, the club is very light or the bat was very light when you were able to balance the club with one finger when the club was vertical or with the, when the bat was vertical. So that's what we're trying to accomplish with the takeaway, the first half of the takeaway. Now you could take the club on the inside, but you want your hand path to move to the inside. Your hand path can move towards your, your pocket. So if you're a right-handed swinger, it'd go towards your right uh, front pocket. Your hands can move inside, but you don't want your club head to follow that. No, you want your club head to move upwards. So you, it's like you're hinging your wrist to where you're getting your thumbs up. So when you move the club away, you want your hands to be moving towards your, your right pocket, but you want to be club, you want the club to be moving upwards. So when the club head is moving up, then you could understand how you have that vertical club or that light club. So now it's a lot easier to derive club head speed with a vertical or light club than it is from a flat takeaway. Or when you move the club head on the inside, now the club has gotten flat or has gotten heavy. So whenever you hear the expression, getting the club light, you know that means lifting the club head up in a takeaway. But we don't want to do that with um, moving our hands out. We actually want our hands to move on the inside, closer to our right pocket, while lifting up our club head in the takeaway. And that was your 30-second golf lesson. The takeaway, getting the club vertical and getting the club light for more club head speed.
So that is going to wrap us up for today. Our special Masters Preview Podcast. I thank you for listening. And I invite you to join us weekly for this golf podcast. In the Hole. Sponsored by 30secondgolflessons.com. With myself, your host, Jeff Zerowitz. And until next time, get in the hole!